You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry. Here's your host, Scott Kerr. While the pandemic had a startling effect on the auto industry, from factory shutdowns to sudden demand, the ultra-luxury car market with brands like Bentley, Lamborghini, Ferrari, and more have been flying off the shelves. From a booming stock market to cryptocurrency, the rich have gotten a lot wealthier because they haven't been able to spend their money on trips or other lifestyles due to travel restrictions. It's a fair assumption that most of them bought supercars instead. Supercars are all about excess. Ferocious acceleration, top speeds of around 200 miles per hour, and price tags in six or even seven figures are just some of the attributes. The supercar market is full of choices right now, but one brand is always a fixture on a top 10 supercars list, and that's McLaren. Established in 2010, McLaren Automotive is still in its infancy. Using its vast knowledge garnered from years of F1 racing, McLaren is now in the business of building high-performance sports cars and supercars that are as desirable as models from Ferrari or Lamborghini, both of which have been in business for decades. It hasn't been all smooth sailing for McLaren in recent years, but McLaren Automotive is turning the page and getting on with producing the finest, fastest, and most technologically advanced supercars. My guest today on The Luxury Item is Gareth Dunsmore. Chief Marketing Officer at British luxury supercar maker McLaren Automotive. Joining the company in March of this year, Gareth is part of McLaren's executive team and heads up global marketing, luxury brand strategy, brand and lifestyle events, and the Pure McLaren Experiences program. He also leads McLaren's focus on growing merchandising, licensing, and partnerships, and Automotive's Customer Racing Motorsport program. Before joining McLaren, Gareth spent 18 years with Nissan, developing his knowledge of sales, distribution, marketing, product planning, digital commerce, and connected cars. Welcome to the luxury item, Gareth. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're about eight months into the job now as chief marketing officer at McLaren. So what have been some of your biggest priorities so far? Well, first of all, incredibly exciting time to join McLaren and and yeah, a uh, a rapid progression through eight months for sure. I think three uh, three core areas, first of all. Um, really, we've had such a strong year and strong couple of years with our racing team in F1. And from an automotive perspective, which I focus on, the first priority is about maximizing the value we're getting from that growth of, of success that our F1 team are driving. And, and they're the most loved team on the grid this year in F1 and, and really trying to translate that into uh, love and appreciation for the automotive cars that we sell and the experiences we offer is is one key focus. Um, I'd say on top of that, we're right at the start of our journey to launch Artura, which is our first plug-in hybrid supercar, mm-hmm. um, and to bring that to the marketplace and, and really help disrupt the marketplace and move towards a more purposeful supercar is, is a really key focus. And then finally, bringing both the, the, the visibility that the F1 team bring us, but also the credibility that the Artura will bring us to bear, we, we need to maximize the revenue we can generate from our brand and, and really expanding across our merchandising, licensing and partnership activity into luxury experiences. And I think that's perhaps the third pillar I'm focused on now. 
and I know there's an incredible amount of market research and studies that are being done by the supercar manufacturers, not just you. You want to know your customers well and to deliver what they want and to understand the motivation behind decisions of making that kind of purchase is crucial. So who is the McLaren customer and what is the brand's value proposition that specifically appeals to them? Are they the same customers as Ferrari, Lamborghini, Porsche? I think, first of all, we're, we're only 10 years old as a, as a supercar company. Uh, so the customers we've been able to attract uh, in the first 10 years is, has evolved quite rapidly from those first customers making, uh, making that first choice from a pioneering perspective. You know, going to a new car company is, is amazing. And now we're seeing an expansion into wider markets such as China and, and huge growth in the U.S. So really, we don't have one particular customer, but we've grown out of a, a core fan base that are focused on the fact that McLaren delivers really the best driving supercar. And, and that's perhaps one of the differentiations to some of the other brands. In the last few years, though, we've seen um, a much younger group of people coming to McLaren. Um, average age of our car buyers in China, for example, is now 30 years old. And, and that really gives us a point of difference. And you know, being able to build on that new younger generation coming in to buy our supercars is, is a key focus for the future. And in terms of the differentiation with other brands, I think I mentioned one already around this this driver's car. You know, McLaren focuses very much on delivering a vehicle that is that is for the driver and delivers a certain level of credibility when when you're on the track or on the road. But on top of that, we're trying to deliver a personalized experience which is second to none. And really, it's your McLaren your way essentially for our customers. So whatever they want, however they want their car spec'd out, that's something we can deliver for them. And again, I think that level of personalization, that level of unique modern luxury experience is what people come to us for. And then you launched that track-focused extreme road car, the Senna, back in 2018. I think it was like 500 units. I mean, it's one of the rarest supercars. I mean, do you call it a hypercar or supercar? Yeah, um, <laughs> So it's about a million-dollar price tag. And with those 500 units, they were snapped up pretty quickly. So is that a completely different customer altogether? Yeah, um, it, absolutely. We have certainly collectors in the car industry overall will buy into McLarens because they see the value of their car growing over time. And, and that is one reason why people will come in and buy uh, a supercar or a hypercar like like the Senna uh, or the Elva, which is which has been on sale during the last year or so. Um, it isn't only for collectors, though. We have enthusiasts who are have the disposable income to be able to purchase these vehicles and they'll come to our brand first because of that drivability. So even if it's uh, 1 million plus price tag, it'll still have that McLaren DNA that, that our drivers love. Um, so both collectors and enthusiasts for sure are, are in that top end uh, of buyer. And you were speaking earlier about bringing younger buyers into the brand in the last couple of years have been bright as soaring stocks and asset values around the world are boosting the fortunes of wealthy car buyers and wealth creation from cryptocurrency and SPACs and IPOs and company takeovers has also created this generation of younger supercar buyers. So how are you selling the McLaren luxury experience to these younger buyers? I think first of all, it's about getting our brand in front of these younger buyers and, and showing what our brand is really made of in terms of this, this ability to deliver a driver's car. And, and for sure, Netflix has helped give us a, a set of visibility that maybe we haven't had before in the mm -hmm. likes of the US with the series they've been running, Drive to Survive on, on right. Formula One. And very early on, uh, our CEO of McLaren Racing, Zach Brown, jumped into the, the Netflix world and, and spent a lot of time with them showcasing our brand and explaining you know, what we have to offer across our racing and our road car programs and businesses. Um, but on top of that, 
we're synonymous with gaming. You know, a lot of people have fallen in love with McLaren in the last 10 years through bringing cars like the Senna uh, into games around the world, whether it's on platform games, online gaming or mobile gaming. We've really been present and will continue to be present in those areas. And I think continuing to expand on that and build into that, uh, our racing partners have launched their first NFT program more focused on fans. And as mm -hmm. we move into next year, we'll be really building out that NFT collectible world for McLaren as well to to create that enthusiasm in, in this younger generation and in a generation of people who are more technically savvy. And McLaren has this rare advantage of being both a luxury automaker and a Formula One team. So you have two separate channels for the automotive and racing divisions. Are there any occasions when the two overlap on a marketing program? Oh, we're in daily touch between the two business units, uh, to the, between the two businesses. Um, and it makes perfect sense. Just last weekend uh, at the uh, Grand Prix, uh, we're going on to Abu Dhabi for the final Grand Prix of the year. Next weekend, we have the McLaren Artura advertised on the vehicle. Um, as I said earlier, it's a huge visibility for us. So using that to promote our supercars is step one. But then in return, you know, using the uh, 100 units, uh, 100 retailer network that we have around the world to, to showcase what Danny and Lando are doing week in, week out, and what we're doing in IndyCar, and what we're doing hopefully soon in, in Extreme E um, is really important to the racing teams. It gives them that level of visibility and exposure to high net worth individuals around the globe. So day in, day out, we work hand in hand. And I think you'll see a lot more of the two businesses working closely together uh, as we build through the 2020s. Yeah, I know a couple of years ago, McLaren created that online video series called McLaren Unboxed. It was this series of short documentaries bringing the audience straight into the Formula One paddock and the life of drivers during each race of the calendar. This seems like one of those overlaps where, you know, content meant to engage hardcore McLaren F1 fans and brand rub off to potential customers. Absolutely. I mean, the, the social presence that uh, the McLaren racing team have created is, is second to none. Absolutely fantastic visibility for us. And we've got over 10 million fans following the automotive channels as well. And we regular, regularly cross-promote what each other's are doing and, and it makes perfect sense because it really builds out that brand and shows what we're doing on track and off it. Um, recently in, in the US, we created a, a video called The Fan Heist where uh, Danny and Lando essentially supported with the, the racing team to hijack a couple of uh, American football fans and, and give them a, an exhilarating experience in a, in a McLaren supercar uh, going all the way to then watch the race uh, at the Circuit of Americas and, and really joining the dots between the road car and the race car division um, and to do it in a way that is fan first, that it's exciting, exhilarating and, and gives a sense of, of belonging where people can feel part of the McLaren brand. And whether that's on the race car or the road car side, the social channels that, that we're putting content out to are absolutely critical for that. And it shows as well that whilst we, we want to position ourselves in this modern luxury space, we're also accessible. You can be part of the McLaren family very, very easily, whether it's through engaging with us in gaming or in our social content or, or whether that's through coming to one of our experiences. Each of those touch points is critical for that. And McLaren's F1 team seems to have a strong female following too. And uh, you, you, know, you recently announced uh, New Zealander Emma Gilmore as its first female driver in the team's history ahead of its maiden Extreme E campaign. Targeting women has really been traditionally been weak for supercars. Is this now a focus for McLaren? Well, already this year, we've had a lady called Katie Milner as part of our driver development program in our GT racing series, uh, which we run from the road car side, where we take our, our road cars and convert them into GT race cars. 
Uh, so Katie's been racing in British GT and has been able to get on the podium several times. So really great success and hopefully springboard for her career going forward. And and then, yeah, with Emma next year, um, you know, it's a great opportunity for us to, to showcase uh, the need for more diversity in the automotive industry. Um, we've been longtime partner with uh, with STEM activities where we're trying to bring more people into science and engineering topics uh, through universities. And, and that's, of course, for, for guys and girls to really get engaged with. Um, and on, on top, uh, our focus as a company is, is to support charities like that. And we're working now with Plan International um, to give people opportunities that they otherwise wouldn't have, whether they're male, female, um, based on their on their backgrounds. You know, everyone should have that chance to to do what they want to do with their career and, and get involved in in the automotive or the racing world. In terms of targeting females, I, I think it's it's more about giving opportunities and access to our supercars from a, from a road car perspective. We already have a 30% female base uh, in, in countries like China. It's growing to certain levels like that in the US as well. And it's a sh about showcasing our products uh, to a wider audience, um, females included, and, and creating experiences where people have, have the opportunity to engage with us. Just this summer, we created a, a woman's drive from Barcelona to Monaco with our customers, giving them a chance to come, come and drive with some of our our uh, driving, uh, driving development team um, and to, to really enjoy a week-long experience with us, um, but in, in a very comforting and, and sort of focused environment celebrating our women customers. And the more we do that, hopefully the more we'll showcase that our brand is, is for everyone who wants to experience this sense of exhilaration in a, in a modern luxury way. And there seems to be a whole bunch of new car companies popping up, a lot of them with these insanely ultra-exotic high-performance vehicles. What is it about these times that we're living in that's breeding so many supercar and hypercar companies? It's, uh, it's an incredible uh, acceleration of, of um, opportunities on the marketplace. And I think you said it earlier, there's been such a big growth in wealth uh, over the last 10 years that it, it is giving people the disposable income to invest in things that they love. And you know, driving these, uh, these supercars, driving these unique experiences uh, is something that's, um, that is you know, being more and more accessible for people. Um, I guess from a McLaren perspective, though, we have a unique position where we have 60 years, nearly 60 years of racing heritage combined with a very clear sense of direction in our in our automotive division of delivering a driver focused vehicle um, that is going to continue to be pioneering. And I think with the with the Artura coming now, it'll move us on that second step and continue to help us sort of fight back the competition, so to speak, but also show that, you know, you're buying into more than just the future. You're buying into that heritage and that past as well when you partner with us. And McLaren is a low volume luxury sports brand. How many cars do you make a year roughly? Obviously strange times at the moment with the pandemic. Um, so we're making around two and a half thousand vehicles a year. Um, we, we grew to about four and a half thousand before the pandemic started um, which is about the maximum we would ever want to sell, but just right. limiting that for now, knowing that um, many of our retailers have had to, to close and open and close and open like like every business around the world at the moment. So it's really important for us to, to have the right level of demand and, and to always have more demand than supply and, and to create this exclusivity for our vehicles so that when you buy into McLaren, it appreciates in price and you, you get some, something that is, is really valuable for you in the long term. And as we come back with the Artura, of course, we'll, we'll grow again in our volume. And yeah, that sweet spot of around four to four and a half thousand a year is perfect for us. Are you um, hoping to get that in 2022 or in the next couple of years? Yeah, I think, you know, more away from, from the uh, calendar years. I think as Artura launches um, middle of next year, once that vehicle is, is fully on sale, then that, that'll be where we're selling around the four and a half thousand 
right. vehicles a year. Is North America still the biggest single market for McLaren? It is. We're, we're, it's really sprung back strongly as well. Um, it's at about 50% of our volume this year, uh, knowing the, the speed of recovery the U.S. has shown post-COVID pandemic. Um, you know, that sort of sweet spot around 10% market share for us is perfect. So we can be exclusive, but also provide access to people that would want the vehicle. And what's after North America? Absolutely. You know, the UK and Germany are two core markets for us, um, both big in terms of overall volume uh, opportunity, uh, but also big in terms of our history in the UK and big in terms of the, the passion for supercars in Germany. Um, so they're, they're really uh, away from the pandemic times, two key markets for us. But I'd say right now, China um, is, a, is a big focus for us. Um, we have on sale there the GT uh, just one vehicle, but even with that one vehicle, we're selling around 400 vehicles a year. So um, pretty, pretty big growth opportunity for us. And again, as Artura launches later next year, um, we'll launch that vehicle in China. And we see that as a, a perfect vehicle with its hybrid capabilities to really grow that market out. China's been luxury's current growth engine. It accounts for more than a third of the global luxury goods market. And in several years, it'll probably surpass the United States as the world's largest. So tell me more about McLaren's relationship in China and um, the audiences there and how it's, if it's different than, than uh, in other markets. Yeah, first of all, China's really interesting over the last couple of years with the movement of, of wealth back into the country. Um, as people have stopped going abroad and, and they're spending their income in China, that presents a unique opportunity for us uh, and other luxury goods manufacturers to sell in China. And of course, in a, with a car, selling in the country that you want to drive it is is perfect. Um, that's exactly what you want to be able to do. So you know, that, that puts it in the focus of many um, manufacturers to really sell over there. Uh, we import vehicles into China and sell them through our retailers like like every other um, manufacturer, sorry, like every other country in the world from a McLaren perspective. So it's not unique in that, that perspective. Um, but we do see people wanting to buy McLarens as a as a luxury good and as a uh, as an experience rather than as a track focused car like the Senna or as a as a vehicle to to really get the best out of from a driving perspective. There is an element of um, of admiration for McLaren because it's an exclusive vehicle because it's limited production, uh, and we see the audience being being more, as I said, more female based. Thirty percent females, as I mentioned, uh, buying into our brand in that market and more focused on, on enjoying the vehicle uh, from the way it looks. Uh, and then for that just occasional ride out to the country you might want to take, it's there to do that. So um, it's definitely younger. Um, I think when I've, when I've showcased in, even internally that the average age of our customers there is, is just 30 years old, it, it shows that we're attracting uh, our youth brand into a youth, youthful customer into our brand. Um, and we're doing that and sustaining that through gaming activities, through shopping center exposure, being in the right luxury markets and luxury environments in China, being able to portray our cars there, whether it's at a boutique dinner, whether it's, as I said, in a luxury uh, retail environment, that's sort of the way we're trying to do business there. And it's, it's bearing fruit. You were saying that 30% of the buyers there of McLaren are, are women. Are most of these women entrepreneurs? We have a huge entrepreneurial base around the world, not just in China. Um, right. And uh, you've got two, perhaps two customer groups in, in China, one entrepreneurial, uh, the other one with um, sort of money in the family and they're, they're sort of starting on their careers and, um, and starting to earn money in their own right and wanting to have the right look and the right uh, sort of the right attitude. And McLaren expresses that for them because it's a it's a young up and coming brand. Um, it's got that challenger mindset. And I think that helps them portray how they want to be portrayed. And if you think of the the sort of the speed of growth of the tech market over there it's it's got a huge tech 
bias to it, which is uh, which is great for us because that's what our brand has really built itself on right. over the last ten years. And McLaren has an in-house bespoke division, McLaren Special Operations, that takes individual standard McLaren cars and customizes them to the owner's tastes. Any interesting projects that you can talk about? Yeah, we, we do um, obviously a, a range of options through McLaren Special Operations. They they look after our heritage cars. So cars like the Senna in, in years ahead will be looked after by McLaren Special Operations. So if you need any care and attention or need any updates or personalization, we offer those. Um, but really in the last year or so, the big focus there has been on supporting the launch of both the 765 Coupe and the 765 uh, LT Spider. Um, these uh, these vehicles are limited in number, 765 each. Um, and with the pandemic, um, we've adapted the way we've been selling. We've been holding one-to-one spec sessions with each of our uh, customers over the last couple of years and, and really tailoring the design of those vehicles to be unique and, and bespoke. Um, on top of that, um, they do a lot more business with our Ultimate Series customers. So we have the Elva on sale at the moment, which is a speedster. Uh, it's open top, um, no uh, no um, convertible there, just full open top uh, wow. driving machine, essentially. Um, there'll be 149 of them only made. And uh, each one is, is going to be all 100% unique, to be honest. And, and that's the beauty of being able to own one of these, these vehicles. Uh, they're at about £1.4 million. Uh, for for each vehicle on top of that you then personalize them to your own taste and and really it creates something amazing and um, you know the the one-offs that we've made we're we're always doing individual things and and one customer wanted us to create a Hermes edition uh, which obviously we worked together with the customer and Hermes to create and you know it's an amazing um, amazing story to tell and an amazing sort of way to bring to life someone's dream. Could you talk a little bit about the Pure McLaren uh, track driving program and how else besides that does McLaren build and maintain a strong connection with its customers and create opportunities for your dealers? Well, well, Pure McLaren is, as an overall principle, is all about giving any of our customers or people who just want to be involved in the brand and and aren't even a customer, the opportunity to learn and understand what it takes to drive a McLaren to the absolute limit. We build these cars to go beyond the limits and, and really to push the boundaries of what's possible. But of course, you know, it's important that we take our drivers along for that journey. So the Pure McLaren series allows people to do that. So we have a, a pretty big set of, of expert drivers that will attend these events and really give you bespoke one-to-one driver training, either in your own vehicle or in a vehicle that you can lease off us. And we can take you all the way from that first ride out in your vehicle through to being able to qualify to be a, a race car driver and actually then race in our Pure McLaren race series, which is uh, using GT4 uh, and GT4 trophy cars. So uh, based on the 570, um, McLaren 570. Um, and from there, we've had drivers go on to, to race in GT3 series, which is based on our 720 in international racing series. So um, it's, it's really a program that can help you understand that the limits of what's possible in the McLaren really teach you to drive, but also it provides a, a sense of camaraderie, a sense of community, a sense of belonging with us as a brand, but with like-minded individuals. This year, of course, the last couple of years have been a challenge, but you know we've been out in Portimao in Portugal and, and also at Circuit of Americas in the US with around 90 of our customers at each event, uh, giving that one-to-one experience, but just sitting back and watching them engage with each other, uh, share their experiences, share their passion is is what it's all about. So um, that, that's where Pure McLaren really sits at this sort of range of opportunities for our customers, but to really take you all the way through to be able to be a race car driver, which is, uh, which is a great experience to see happening. 
Um, on top of that, though, we'll, we'll provide experiences throughout the year for customers to get involved with us as a brand, but most importantly with each other uh, on the road as well. I, I mentioned the, the women's drive out in, in the south of France, but on a, on a more sort of local level, we had over 30 customers you know, driving to MTC, our, our McLaren Technical Centre, just to park up by the lake and have a coffee with us uh, a couple of weekends ago. And small, intimate things like that are absolutely critical to the, to the McLaren experience and to celebrate being 10 years in business and 10 years since we sold our first car, we had over 200 customers at Silverstone in the summer um, with Amanda McLaren, uh, Bruce's daughter and Bruno Senna uh, leading out um, 200 customers around Silverstone to do a few laps of Silverstone and, and then just park up and have a chat and celebrate you know, all that is McLaren and, and all that is our customers. I can't have this conversation with you without talking about the SUV, and I'm sure you've heard it every day. So, the, you know, the list of supercar manufacturers without SUVs is you know, disappointingly short and McLaren is on that list. And your former CEO once said that McLaren would never build an SUV. You know, you teased a few silhouette images of what looked like a high riding SUV past October, which made some think that you finally kind of caved in. Instead, it was this all electric buggy built for off-road racing. It looks amazing. Can you share, is this a prelude to a road going SUV in the future? Definitely a, definitely a prelude to uh, extreme, I'm afraid. Scott, it's, uh, um, it's, you know, the first of all, that's a great experience to be involved in. I'm looking forward to the drivers getting out on, on uh, I'd say on track, but they're not really tracks, uh, but getting out and really showcasing the need to, to be more purposeful in everything we do. Um, I think, you know, our, our focus from an automotive perspective is on purpose and everything for a purpose in in sense of our design language. So um, using a James Bond quote, you know, never say never again, I guess. For me, it's about delivering something that's authentic and for a purpose. And, and right now, you know, our focus is on launching a plug-in hybrid supercar um, mm -hmm. that is the maximum you can achieve with it, with a supercar using, you know, the best electrification technology um, coupled with our, our supercar know-how to really push it beyond uh, what we've done before in, at, a, at a supercar price point. So excited to launch that. I think that's going to take 100% of my time in the, in the coming months. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to see where the future, what the future holds. But I'd also just maybe steer, steer your listeners and, and steer the discussion a bit to to trends over time will always shift and move. Yes, big fad yes. at the moment, big focus at the moment is, is SUVs. If you look at the US car market, there's always been a flip of design where you know, younger kids don't want to buy the, the design that their parents have. And that's a natural shift and evolution over time. So um, who knows what the future holds of the car industry, but I, I hope with McLaren, we'll be driving it. McLarens and other supercars are emotional buys. Would an electric McLaren change some of the elements that influence those emotions? You know, things like the engine noise, the ride. I mean, it's a whole different, you know, look and feel. Having, having um, driven the McLaren Artura um, on the test track and just being able to listen to the downshift, you know, as you move down the gears, yes, you get everything that's sort of authentic about the McLaren supercar experience with the sound coming back into the cabin, uh, you know, from the popping of, of the exhaust. But on the other side, you've got this beautiful downshifting of the electric motor as it's sort of regenerating and, and adding volume and noise back into the cabin. And, and it adds another level of drama to the experience. And um, I really love that about this this first step we're taking. Um, I think the key for me would be if we did move on to build an alternative powertrain supercar, um, you know, electrification, hybridization to start with is, is the journey we're going on. Uh, but why not hydrogen? Why not uh, synthetic fuels as well? We'll have to see where the future goes. And, and certainly from a legislation perspective, uh, we'll be right on point to match that. But again, there are other things we can do. 
um, we will always have to make sure we deliver an authentic experience and something that provokes the senses. And there's a huge amount that you can do with electrification uh, in general to add this drama, to add this experience. Um, I've driven an open top uh, electric vehicle race car several years ago now uh, on a karting track and you know being able to hear and smell the the sounds around you to smell the, the the tires going around the track it's a different experience for sure but it's an authentic experience and you know let's see what the future holds but whatever we produce that authenticity is going to be critical to it the 2015 mclaren p1 represented a pivotal moment in the history of high performance supercars launching with a hybrid powertrain just as the current age of electrification started to kick off so could you tell us about McLaren's hybrid future? Sure. So that, that um, I'd call it a hypercar, I guess, the P1, very limited in number. Um, being able to use the know-how from that to bring this to Artura next year into a series car, which will be limited only by the overall volume that we'll produce as a manufacturer. Uh, it's really, therefore, the expansion of our hybrid technology uh, into the to the mass uh, mass market, supercar market, at least. Um, that's That's really how we'll build from there. So V6. Uh, plug-in hybrid but i'd also say self-charging supercar so you can start 30 kilometers electric by the end of that journey you can add that back in and you'll already have recharged your battery up so you can then cruise back into the city in in zero emissions and you know that's the start of the next steps that's the first car we'll focus on and then from there on in our supercars will always use that technology and, and move on and progress from there as the next 10 years of develops um, but it really will be a springboard for us to to not only meet legislative challenges that are coming but actually drive forward the experience of, of what it means to, to drive a mclaren and to give customers a sense of, of flexibility um, with with challenges around city regulation but also flexibility in terms of turning your car on in near silence and then being able to hear the roar of the engine later on so uh, that will, ba will base off everything really from now on in on that hybrid architecture. Uh, it's all new hybrid architecture, gearbox, engine transmission, and, and then we'll evolve from there with our next vehicles. But yeah, very much focused on the Archero for now. You know, we're winding down 2021. What are you excited about for next year? I think two things, um, if I can cheat and, and not just say one, but one, absolutely the launch of Artura. I've been involved in electrification in the car industry for, for near on eight years uh, of my 20-year career. And uh, it's amazing to see how much it's evolved. And I can't wait to see the response of our customers and, and get their feedback for what this vehicle uh, will bring. But on top of that, I think the expansion of our brand into, uh, into areas where people will be able to engage with our brand through our licensing program, through our experiences program that wouldn't otherwise have engaged with us uh, before. Um, and I think, you know, it's really important that we build on the success of Netflix. We build on the success of our gaming world to be able to, to take our brands to new audiences and to showcase this sort of modern luxury brand in a way that is, is going to inspire the next generations of people that will hopefully fall in love and buy our cars in the future. So, Gareth, my final question is the luxury item question, which I ask all my guests. If you were stranded on a deserted island and you can only have one luxury item with you, what would that luxury item be? It can't be any form of air transportation. It can't be any McLaren vehicles uh, or anything that requires mobile service. What would that one luxury item be that you would want to have with you on this deserted island? From a luxury item perspective, the one thing that I would take with me is um, it's probably a drinks maker, uh, a chance to be able to engage <laughs> with people and have a chat with them, a you know, premium drinks maker, whether, whether it's a coffee or whether it's something a little bit more fun like a 
uh, a, a zero alcohol uh, cocktail or maybe something a little bit more spicy. So um, you were, you're the only one on the island, Gareth. Well, you've got to talk to someone, right? So you might as well do it with a drink in your hand. <laughs> Uh, Gareth Dunsmore, Chief Marketing Officer and McLaren Automotive. Thank you so much for joining me on The Luxury Item. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for the time. That's it for this episode of The Luxury Item Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time.